0: Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna.
1: And I'm Sam.
0: And today, not only do we have the finale of Season 3 of The Clone Wars, the Ahsoka Hunted Arc, but we also have a special guest with us, Nick Stockbridge from Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Nick. We're so glad to have you with us.
2: I am excited to be here.
0: So, so, so glad to have you here. So Sam and I are going to tell you quickly how the Ahsoka Hunted arc goes down, and then we're going to bring Nick on for our main discussion.
1: So how do we start off? Okay,
0: so we start off with Padawan Lost, the Clone Wars Season 3, Episode 20, Fortune Cookie, Without Humility, Courage is a Dangerous Game, which is just a great call out to the Dangerous Game. So great. So <laughs> that's foreshadowing. It's heavy foreshadowing. So we're back on Felucia, baby. Well, this we, is we my favorite. is important.
1: Because Felucia is on a major hyperspace route,
0: it is. It is. We were last on Felucia when we met the bounty hunters of the Bounty Hunters episode, Sugi and Serapas and Embo. Embo. So we are once again on Felucia, and Felucia is caught in the crossfire of the Clone Wars. The Republic is advancing on the Separatist territory there. General Grievous has sent in reinforcements to try to keep them from loosening his grip on the system. And Plo Koon is our battle MC. (laughs) I will never get enough of this.
1: So there's this like square separatist base and they're landing one of those big H-shaped landing crafts on it in the middle of the night in Felucia. And there's this army of droids pouring out of it. Wow. Plo Koon is like, all right, Synchronize your watches, it's go time.
0: It's go time. So they all split up. Anakin's going to the front gate. Ahsoka's going to the back wall. Our little Kermit friends from the Bounty Hunters episode are scouting them through the jungle. They're so brave now. They're so brave. Everything is going A plus. It's great. Everyone is where they're supposed to be. The plan is working. Ahsoka's clone troopers scale the back wall. She's covering them. They're just waiting for her to jump up there and join them. But before she can follow them, a Trandoshan bounty hunter steps out of the jungle and fires a paralytic net gun at her i
1: don't know if he's a bounty hunter or like a coming of age thing this is his puberty
0: oh maybe the rite of passage to pick off a unsuspecting youngling from the jungle Mm -hmm. so she comes to in a prison cell on a trandoshan ship and the prisoner across from her says first they'll release us and then they'll hunt us down for sport so The ship jumps to hyperspace. They drop all of the prisoners onto this grim, dark Normandy kind of beach. They open fire and they force all of the prisoners to flee into the jungle or else they will just be shot dead Mm -hmm. on the beach. So Soka is crouched in the jungle. She's alone. And then suddenly a group of prisoners Flits up. And they used to be Jedi younglings themselves.
1: They are emphatically used to be younglings. Yes. It's become something different now.
0: Yes. So we have Khalifa, Omer, and Jinx. They were also captured as younglings. No one ever came looking for them. And that seems to be exactly what will happen to Ahsoka. Because back on Felucia, Plo Koon makes Anakin call off the troops Pack up, head back to Coruscant. He's like, you have to let this one go, Skywalker.
1: Yeah, well, he he starts off being very generous and saying all these nice things. And then he eventually gets to, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so as yeah. soon as the sun rises on the beach moon, the younglings are on the move because this is their strategy to keep away from the Trandoshans. I mean, there's like hardly any sport in it at all. The Trandoshans have these hover blinds and a big base. That's like a flying hunting lodge. And the younglings spend their whole days on the run. So they've lost all hope of getting off the island. But Ahsoka's like, my master would never forgive me for not trying to escape. So she goes out into the jungle. She's like taunting the hunters. One of them almost gets her khalifa force chokes him Mm -hmm. almost kills him and you can see how far these younglings have strayed from the jedi way ahsoka has to stop her and say yo that's not our code like that's not the jedi way so this is the catalyst that they needed to remember who they are they are jedi they have a new strategy they're going to find the trandoshan base they're going to infiltrate and as it turns out, this is a super dangerous plan because Dar, the son of the Trandoshan leader.
1: The son, if you will. The
0: Trandoshan. <laughs> um, it's a rite of passage for him to get his first kill. So he promises to get Ahsoka with his bare hands. So there's a big jungle chase. Uh, they He tangles with Ahsoka. Ahsoka finally kicks him off of the tree branch that they're fighting on, impales him on a patch of thorns.
1: Mm-hmm. He's, he's real dead. It it's is the most graphic clone death that we've seen or most graphic death we've seen in the clone.
0: It's race. like a Mortal Kombat a yeah. death scene. It's a KO. Like a
1: three foot tall stalagmite sticking out of his chest.
0: Yeah, pretty gruesome.
1: But Khalifa gets shot by the. She
0: dam. does. Ahsoka and Khalifa are limping away. Everything seems great. It's like they're going to get get out of this just fine. And then Dars' father gets her straight through the back with a blaster bolt. She dies, and Ahsoka promises, with you know Khalifa's dying breath, that she's going to take care of herself and she's going to take care of the other younglings. We close with Palokun and Anakin on Coruscant. Anakin has not given up the search. He's determined to find Ahsoka to bring her back. And Plo Koon says, Skywalker, if you trained her well, you might have to trust that she will find her way back to you. Mm hmm. And that is the end of the first very exciting episode of this arc. So we open on the second episode, Wookiee Hunt.
1: So we've escalated from Padawans to Wookiees. Mm. A great student is what the teacher hopes to be. It's a
0: great fortune cookie.
1: So they're hunting Ahsoka and looking for her. She's like climbing around like Spider-Man underneath a log. And they eventually see that they can capture the transition ship. So they jump onto the younglings, team teen. They jump on top of it. The transition's driving it. One of them's like, hey, I'll have to go upstairs and take a look at it. There's this huge fight. Ahsoka goes inside the cockpit. And, of course, in the matter of all Star Wars ships, she bumps one lever and the ship explodes.
0: It just disintegrates. They girlbossed so close (laughs) to the sun, they disintegrated the entire ship.
1: And they're like, what about the prisoners? And uh, they're like, you have to leave. We've blown up the ship. So they they artfully land on the beach, and then they see that there is one surviving prisoner. Out of the wreckage, in the dark. And his name is, drumroll please.
2: Chewbacca,
0: ah! some of you
1: may have heard of. Kind of a big deal.
0: I'm crying already. I don't know how anyone kept this a secret from me. <laughs> I'm losing my mind.
1: <laughs> so uh, there's, they decide. Chewbacca says, "Hey, I'm a master mechanic. I can make a transmitter to reach Kashyyyk, which is the Wookiee home world." If we can get some parts from the ship.
0: My fave of all faves, he is a shining beacon of hope to the younglings. We get this phenomenal line from Boss Daddy of the Trandoshans.
1: Boss Daddy, his name is... Uh, Garnar. Garnak. Garnack. Garnack. Garnack the Trandoshan.
0: Well, I'm calling him Boss Daddy. He says, oh, okay, so now the younglings are organized, bold, and they've got a Wookiee. Yes, they do, sir. Yes, they they do. They
1: do. So Ahsoka and Chewie go inside the ship and they start getting the parts for the transmitter. Meanwhile, Team Teen, the other surviving younglings, are underneath this log. The transitions drop off a sniper to watch the ship, and the sniper is on top of this log, which is very tense. So right when Ahsoka and Chewbacca start leaving... The teens attack the sniper. There's a big brawl. Eventually Chewbacca comes up and is holding this Trandoshan, you know, ready to completely disassemble him.
0: This is canonical proof that Chewie is the mom
1: friend. He's like, those are my kids. And uh, they're like, no, no, we need a prisoner. So Chewie builds his transmitter, and they have a prisoner. And there's conflict amongst the teen younglings here. The two old timers, Omer and Jinx, want to be like, "Hey, we have a prisoner. We should go on the offensive." We, Ahsoka, you've inspired us. You should you should support us in this. And she's like, "Well, Chewbacca, your transmitter is not working super great, so we'll try that." So they decide to go on the offensive. They, tell the, they mind trick the Trandoshan to be like, hey, remember how you were captured and you escaped? You should call for a speeder. He's like, I was captured and escaped, and I should call for a speeder. So he calls, and they grab the speeder, fly it up to the big enemy base, and then just jump off of it, and combat ensues.
0: Get in, losers. We're going to ditch this popsicle stand. And the
1: combat is extremely intense because it's two unarmed younglings one unarmed Wookiee, and Ahsoka. And Ahsoka has to split off at some point to jump up and follow the boss, Garnak. Who
0: sneaks into his trophy room.
1: Yeah. So they're flying back and forth. They're flinging these like uh, flying chariots of gatling hunting at each other and punching. And we see a quick cut to uh, Chewbacca's transmitter to a Kashyyyk, and it is pulsing. It is on. It's working. Chewie is the best. So right when things are going downhill, right when everyone gets captured, Sugi from the Bounty Hunters arc shows up in her ship.
0: Screams up in her ship. We've got Sugi, we've got Sarapass, we've got Wookie
1: Generals out the Wazoo. Lots of Wookies. Enough Wookiees show up, which is like an airdropped amount of Wookies begins causing problems. Meanwhile, up in the hunting lodge room there's an axe fight between ahsoka and garnak and it's just completely crazy
0: I don't know what it is but anyone brandishing any hunting hatchet at a 15 year old just fills me with incandescent rage
1: it's it's gnarly it's a crazy fight she knocks him down and says you're beaten." And he
0: says, you killed my son. You need to be taught a lesson.
1: Your son died from your actions, not mine. Don't, because he's reaching for the gun. He reaches for the gun. She force pushes him. He flings out the door, over the railing, lands surrounded by Wookies. No one can survive a fall like that.
0: His body thuds to the ground. It's over.
1: So they get back to Coruscant. Anakin is Physically, emotionally, obviously distraught when all of a sudden the walking carpet of some Wookiee walks out of the way and we see Ahsoka, who's talking with General Tarfel and Chewbacca and like, hey, and Atkins like, I never should have let you go. I'm such a bad man. I should I'm have done worst. better. I should have
0: tried harder. And OK, the tears are starting. <laughs> Ahsoka says, Master, you did everything you needed to. I was alone. All I had was your teaching and the skills that you taught me. And because of that, I was able to lead not only myself, but all of these people to survival. And she bows to him and says, thank you, Master. And he bows back to her and he says, you're welcome, my Padawan. And Yoda is the after party. And just smiles at them Mm -hmm. readers listeners i sobbed all the way down to my shirt i could hear her there were tears coming out of every orifice
1: yeah it's crazy oh my god phenomenal So. so
0: those are the episodes nick where do you want to start
1: yeah you chose these ones specifically
2: uh there's a lot of places that we could actually start but i think the one thing that i noticed watching actually the third time around was (laughs) so when all the younglings first came into their little hideout thing, there was a bird that flew in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Duolingo owls.
2: (laughs) Is that what those are? No. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) They're little green owls. So they look like the little owls in the Duolingo app. But then
2: I was like, I didn't pay any attention to that until later. Mm -hmm. So Later, we see those same birds again, but now there's three of them. Yeah. And then we see the birds again after Khalifa has died, and there's two birds. Yeah. Then we see a predator coming up to get these two birds. Yeah, some space rat thing. The bird grabs the rat's tongue, flies up, and then drops
0: Whoa! <laughs> yeah,
2: the predator. That's-
0: Crazy foreshadowing.
2: I was like, I never saw that. And that was like an amazing detail. I was like, I love it.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad you pointed that out because I wrote the owls down because I was thinking of this concept of found family, which I one of my favorite tropes. Absolutely love it. The first time I really noticed the owls is when Ahsoka is up in the little tree hideout of the younglings on the beach planet. And the little owls are nesting together, and it's so sweet, and it mirrors that scene when just for a second, all four of the younglings get to have this family feeling by the fire. Mm -hmm. They're, like, trauma-bonded. They're hanging out together. And I was like, oh, either that was so sweet or that was crazy foreshadowing that only three of them will get out of this alive. Yeah. That
1: that trauma-bonding is a really interesting thing because that's something that Khalifa says is that... We're survivors, not saviors,
0: Mm. because
1: they see at one point the other survivors who landed with Ahsoka uh, running along. And Khalifa's like, no, you can't help them. And then Trandoshans kill them. So they have been emotionally beaten in this environment.
0: Yeah. My question is, how long have they been here? Did these younglings grow up on this island?
2: I was wondering so they said that they came from a training mission Mm -hmm. and my thought was where was the jedi council in all of this like they sent these younglings out and they haven't heard back from them Mm -hmm.
0: for as many rotations as we can remember says khalifa
2: yeah so why did the jedi just write them off as you know right yeah, that's yeah. a great question. Uh, so I was thinking, like, does that plant a small seed of doubt for Ahsoka?
0: Mm.
2: Not to Possibly. spoil things, but like pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think the only thing that makes that feel even a little bit better is seeing how determined Anakin is to find Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. And with all of his immense skill and his dedication and this guilt that's gnawing at him, he can't find a trace of her anywhere. So maybe the Jedi Council tried for years to find them and just they were never able to.
1: Yeah. And then there's also the pressing issue of the war. Right. That's what Plo is saying to Anakin. He's like three times, three times in like a biblical sense, he says, Hey, everything will be fine. We've done all the searching we can. He says, But we do have to move. We do have to get a move on before he finally says, We need to go. Yeah. Because they need all the Jedi masters to fight this war. And so, this kind of training mission, particularly because Palpatine is so involved with the affairs of the Jedi council, he'd probably be like, oh no, it's a perfectly safe planet. And then like 20 younglings go missing or something. So
0: yeah, could be bad
1: news. Not to mention whatever the ratio of younglings to Padawans to Jedi masters is. It seems like, I don't know how many, like it feels like a Jedi master should have like four Jedi knights. And each one should have like four Padawans. And each one should have like four younglings to make a proper pyramid scheme. But
2: (laughs) So, to answer that question, like in episode one, like we, nope, it was yeah. In episode one, there was That's a the scene menace. where um, Yoda walks in and he's training like
0: a room like full a of younglings. Yeah. yeah, it's like a
2: classroom type situation. <laughs> um, but I was thinking at the beginning of the episode, one of the last things Anakin says to Ahsoka is, "Don't get cocky." And I was thinking about how that references are your fortune cookie at the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode was without humility, courage is a dangerous game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so she like goes as they're approaching that wall. She's like, I sense something.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And she like, it, it's just probably an animal. But why would you just sense some sort of an animal? She just got cocky in that moment like she forgot some of her training i guess in a way
1: that actually calls forward to when they're leaving the ship right and uh chewbacca is like hey i feel my chewbacca sense is tingling and ahsoka's like it's fine i've taken a look out there because she can't quite see the sniper Mm. so her senses are clouded by something and i think she's very conflicted in this arc
0: Oh, or she's
1: having to really rise to the occasion of like rehabilitating these younglings, because as we saw in the first episode, when Khalifa gave in to the dark side to choke that Trandoshan out.
0: Yeah, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if this island was so full of darkness and violence and conflict. I mean, the Trandoshans are a nasty bunch, mm-hmm. right? So I wouldn't be surprised if that was clouding their four cents. But I do want to talk about Ahsoka's journey, since you bring it up, Nick, because I thought Ahsoka's journey in this arc was going to be really standard for her, going from this position of being cocky and feeling really invulnerable to this kind of classic Ahsoka arc of a greater sense of humility or maybe a better understanding of the way things are. Because that's the way that the first episode was set up, even with the fortune cookie. But actually, once we finished the arc... I think her journey was really to own that courage, you know, and that faith in her abilities, her belief that she can handle these impossible situations, because without that incredible undying faith and her abilities, I think it would have been so easy for her just to fall in with the other younglings and say, well, there's no hope of getting off of this island. We're doomed. We might as well just keep to the status quo. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I was also thinking about that whole fortune cookie. Like I focused really hard on that throughout the show and how the even the Trandoshans were like not showing that humility of oh, they're just younglings, we can take them. Or even capturing people like Chewbacca, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a Wookiee. Like, sure, you captured him, but yeah, I don't, yeah.
1: Now, the other fun part about the fortune cookie, for the listeners who might not recall, there's a story called The Most Dangerous Game from, like, the 30s.
0: A classic of ninth grade English literature yeah, classes. I don't
1: remember who wrote it or when it's from, but the premise <laughs> is that there's a – oh, Nick, do you have it? No, yeah. I don't. Oh, okay. it's The premise is it's from – uh like some rich dude owns an island and he invites someone over for dinner and they have a really nice dinner. And then he turfs him out in the middle of the night and is like, I've been a hunter this whole time, but I've decided I need to hunt the most dangerous prey.
0: Yeah. He's like a big game safari hunter. And he's like, it's time for the most dangerous prey of all the prey that can fight back, man.
1: And so then there's, you know, hijinks and adventure and I'm I've, it's been remade so many times. I don't even know what the canonical ending is, but I'm pretty sure that the hunted becomes the hunter, and when
0: yeah, the the main protagonist uh, prey ends up killing the hunter. The but, book is actually really good,
1: but there, there's also an Archer episode that's really good with that in, and a bunch of other fun stuff. So seeing it in this um, like hunting sentient creatures for sport, which is something the Treadosians do, is Really dark, and it's a really um, emotional high note to end the third season on.
0: And you know what drove me crazy is that the Trandoshan boss daddy, Garnak doesn't take any of the responsibility for the situation that he created. Yeah. And I think this hit me the most when Ahsoka is standing over him in the trophy lodge. She has beaten him, and he's trying to blame her for his son's death. And she has to tell him, you caused this, like you brought me in, you created the situation where I'm cornered and I have to fight back. And you have the audacity to tell me that I caused your son's death.
1: And it's, it's very much a, uh, I, that, that wrote me the wrong way too, because safe boating is no accident. Safe hunting is no accident. Like the fact that you're hunting a creature and it kills your son, that's not the creature's fault. And that shows that he's like a bad hunter. In my mind, um, yeah. it's also a bad dude.
2: And also to focus in on Ahsoka, in that second episode, the fortune cookie of that was a great student is what the teacher hopes to be. Mm-hmm. And she really shined as to, okay, this is how I've been trained. It really shows her training. She knew the Wookiee language. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were little tidbits of things that the other younglings were like, what's this? Mm -hmm. And she was like top of her game. Like, she's like, I have the education. I have been trained.
1: Yeah. They talk about that a little when they first meet, because the younglings say we were on a training exercise. And she says, I was captured during a battle on Felucia.
0: Oh, yeah. Because
1: I was, you know. Tearing down a fort with the wolf pack and Plo and Plo's bros. There's there's a speaking of that, there's a very cool scene when Plo's like, follow me, and he jumps, like you know, Superman jumps over the wall, and you expect his clones to use their ascender cables or something. No, they're all wearing jetpacks and they just follow him. Over <laughs> oh, the so
0: great. I love seeing the
1: I love seeing the um the clones who aren't like Rex and Cody, the ones who are like, this is obviously a named clone because they have like crazy armor, but then they're just like, yeah, I don't really need to talk. I'm cool enough with just my my paint job.
0: Yeah. So great. (laughs) One thing that I twigged on to is the fact that the younglings only ever refer to themselves as younglings. Whereas Ahsoka calls herself a Padawan learner So I wonder if we can assume that these younglings were never even old enough to ascend to being a Padawan with a master. Like, maybe they never got as far as Ahsoka in their training.
2: Maybe. Mm. Not
0: that that, you know, actually, I think that does excuse them a little bit.
2: (laughs) And and speaking of Plo, at the end of episode one, he tries to reassure Anakin with what is her strength?
0: Mm, She's fearless.
2: Yeah. And... He's like, that could also be her weakness. Mm -hmm. So it was reflecting back on that humility. Does she have the humility that she needs for that courage to survive the situation?
1: Now, I think humility is a really interesting theme to follow, especially following some recent arcs, the Mortis arc with Ahsoka and humility, because as we talked about a little bit, she is represented as someone who is sort of the center path, the path of balance, as well as the path of darkness. Whereas humility is definitely something which would be on a lighter path because, you know, humility is not a weakness in and of itself. It's the relinquishing of the ego so that you can let go of the things that are slowing you down. And seeing Ahsoka do that, or having learned that lesson is a really interesting thing because it's not something she's had as much of before. Recall the, um, Oh, one of the previous arcs where she messes up the invasion when Mm. she's flying along, there's, there's several times early on in seasons one and two where she really messes Mm. up Mm -hmm. and it leads to a lot of long-term consequences and she loses her mojo and she gets people killed, but now she takes a much more balanced approach. I like that read.
0: Yeah. Ahsoka has really come so far from seasons one and two. Mm. I mean, I think, Ahsoka has been put into situations where she's had to rise to the occasion. She has messed up invasions. She has done things that really caused her to face her flaws. And I think she grew because she rose to the occasion. Anakin, I'm not sure that he has really challenged himself to become better because of the situations that he's been put through in season three. We just finished the Mortis arc when he was unable to assume the mantle of the father and keep balance in the force because he was so tied to his life and his wife and his Padawan. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're seeing this split where Ahsoka is growing and becoming better. And Anakin is stagnating.
1: So something else I noticed, and I really got a kick out of in this arc is the artwork. Oh yeah. This late season three, every single scene, The Padawans, the younglings are dirtier and dirtier in a matter that like befits how they're falling. Like when they get thrown into the dust and the beach, they get covered in dirt. They are filthy. And then, as you mentioned, the little owl birds have like their expressive little faces. The rat predator has an expressive little face. And Felucia looks like nothing we've seen before. Glimmering, iridescent. And we've seen Felucia a lot of times previously. And each time the level of detail that's added to it is amazing. And it's really starting to come into its own as an art style.
0: Okay, I have a fun fact for you both about mm-hmm. the artwork of this episode. Oh, So the effects team had to pioneer a whole new program to populate the jungle in these arcs and these episodes with organic material like plants and mist and ants and Dave Filoni was like, "This was groundbreaking. We will be using this in every episode going forward." Wow, it was so cool because they have the geometry of like the vines and the tree trunks and the rocks, and the effects team created this program that just spontaneously and randomly covers it in flowers and and organic material. So it was like a big jump forward for them art
2: wise. Interesting. So as we were talking about some of the younglings. And some of their training. So we see that they have some of the force training. They they know how to do certain things. Mm -hmm. I think the coolest thing that they did was, I think it was, I don't remember their names because they didn't use them very much. But when they attacked the drop ship Mm -hmm. and the one was flung like way back, well, he like jumped towards the other one. The other youngling then uses the force to do, like, a pull to, like, smash him into the trained ocean.
0: Oh, it so you? great.
2: Yeah. It's
1: Jinx and Omer, who are a Twi'lek okay. and a Surian, which is the same species as uh, Ki-Adi-Mundi.
0: I thought he had a really big head.
1: <laughs> now, that's something I actually noticed a lot on the younglings as well. They all had adult voices, like really adult voices.
0: Deep, and- mature...
1: And I wonder if that was, you um, know, if the reason for that casting decision was because it would be too dark to have children's voices in this tough situation, to have someone with a child's voice straight up die. Mm. Or if they wanted to showcase how the trauma of being hunted for a sport matures you.
0: Ooh. So, That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. I picked up on that too. I think it is maybe because the island has aged them, but I do think this is a super dark, gory episode. And it would be even more horrifying if they had small people, you know, youngling voices.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. We've suffered through that trauma already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, favorite line. Mine was, fine, we'll do it the Wookiee way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So right before that, I find it slightly interesting is the youngling goes, what, are we going to just make smoke signals? Mm -hmm. And it almost tells me he thinks the Wookiees are kind of a not high-tech tribe. Or like a high tech. Yeah, primitive is the word I was looking for. So it again just shows the experience he lacks versus Ahsoka's experience. I think
1: that's really interesting because that is Jinx who says that, who is a Twi'lek. And in the larger like geopolitics of the Star Wars universe, the Twi'lek are often a subservient species to like the Huts and other species. And so when they see the uh, Wookiees who leave Kashyyyk, They're also in really interesting jobs doing things, but we also know that Wookiees are prized as slaves across the galaxy. Mm -hmm. And earlier in the hunting lodge, we see various creatures. We see a Wampa pelt over Garnak's throne, but we also see a whole pile of Wookiee pelts. Yeah. And so we know that Trendoshans and Wookiees have this conflict. And we also see it when they're fighting that they're pretty evenly matched. In all of the fist fights throughout this episode throughout these episodes, a Trandoshan is able to kind of take on three unarmed younglings and do okay unless something crazy happens. Or they're able to take on Chewbacca in a fair fight.
0: And Chewie did great in hand-to-hand combat. He was, <laughs> I mean, he looked awesome.
1: But there's a scene at the end when Chewie and a Trandoshan are fighting and the Trandoshan gets the better of him until Omer, the uh, Syrian, grabs a rifle and bonks the, the Trandoshan yeah. on the head. And then he gets thrown over the side of their hover barge. So.
0: Here's something interesting, Nick and Sam, to that point. The Wookiees... You know Kashyyyk might be like the next planet over, but they don't bring their own ship to rescue their own guy. They hire a bounty hunter for basically her piloting abilities. So okay. I wonder if Jinx's um like stereotype about them might be rooted in maybe like an anti-technology theme on Kashyyyk. I don't know, but they did not bring a Wookiee ship. They had to hire out for hyperspace travel.
2: Which is Interesting, because Chewie shows himself to be a phenomenal mechanic. Yeah. Making an interstellar transmitter out of...
1: Scraps. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I don't remember seeing a whole lot of Wookiee ships, like, ever. And, And, like, he is out there being this spectacular mechanic, and he, like... I-, I want that story. Like, where's this? Uh... <laughs> yeah, is Chewie
0: like this shining mechanical star of the Wookiee world? The yeah. only Wookiee ship that I know of is made out of wood and it uses tree sap to hold it together. Sam, what is it called?
1: The Ozituk or Ozituk? Ozituk
0: anti slaver gunship. Anti-slaver gunship.
1: I don't know exactly how canonical that is i know you can fly one in the x-wing miniature game uh, although you have to find one first like 70 bucks on ebay (laughs) and uh we also see them in a few places i'm pretty sure you see one at the end of rise of skywalker because any model that anyone ever made for star wars yeah
0: yeah i checked it is there but it's like way over on the far left side of the
1: screen. So it, it,
0: it hardly counts. It was
1: fun to see Sugi again because I looked up who her voice actor is and it's Anna Graves.
0: No way. Yes.
2: Duchess Sweet. Satine? Duchess Satine.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Nick, you guys had Anna Graves on the on the Funny Science Fiction podcast recently, right?
2: Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, I did not realize that was one of the roles she did, but that is amazing. <laughs> it's pretty
1: minor. I think Sugi's only in three episodes. And this is the second one of them,
2: because she was also in
1: the Bounty Hunters episode, also on Felucia. So maybe that's why they called her. Because Mm. hey, we know that you're flying around in Felucia. Can you come pick up like six Wookiees for a personal mission, 30 minutes in and out?
0: She is so cool. Her ship art, the nose art, says something like, thanks for playing, D-bag. I can't remember (laughs) what it actually says, but it's something similar to that.
1: It's got a little uh, pet creature, like a little starfish thing, and we'll see so many. Uh, like um, Numa had a little stuffed animal like that. It's like the most common stuffed animal across the
0: Wow!
2: So I believe this is the first time that we see Chewie chronologically. So. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, I almost want a Chewbacca spinoff, oh not a holiday special, but yes, um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because. I don't know how much to say without spoiling things. If you haven't um, seen movie, things,
1: you can talk about movies because I've okay. seen all the movies.
2: So we see Chewie in this situation. Mm-hmm. We then see him again in the Han Solo movie. And we see him and, in episode three. Yeah. So we see him throughout a lot of the star Wars movies. And we have all these in between mm-hmm. things of where has he been? How did he get captured in the first place? Like, what was he doing at that time? Um, mm. I do know the Wookiees got involved with the Clone Wars at mm-hmm. a certain point, And it's where, like, I'm just confused. Like, who is this Chewbacca?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and why is he getting into so much trouble?
2: Exactly.
1: You know, it is funny that you mentioned that because, uh, you know, some spoilers moving ahead here, but... He gets in a lot less trouble when Han Solo's around. So I feel like they kind of cover each other's back a little bit. Fascinating.
0: <laughs> if anyone has convinced me that I should learn how to be an engineer, it was Chewie fabricating an interstellar transmitter out of a bucket of scraps from a ship on a beach. That was phenomenal.
2: It- We saw in the Mortis arc that Ahsoka's a pretty good mechanic as well. She is. She was questioning him like, wait, what? (laughs) Like
0: you can do it from this? He's like, totally,
2: I got this. I just need one
1: of these and
2: this thing off the wall.
0: (laughs) So cool. Like cooler than Tony Stark in the cave in the middle of the desert.
1: And watching all of the Wookiees fly in and they had like wooden muskets that fired you know plasma muskets or something and we're just do it given the beat down on the top of this it was a very cool scene extremely mm-hmm. the whole second episode of this arc is just action-packed and it's tons of fun
0: the only other thing I want to ask is do the Trandoshans have jobs like is this their full-time thing or is this like the boys go on a weekend hunting trip together
1: and then they have to go back to, like, screaming female transitions.
0: Right? Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so from, I feel like this is just kind of a side thing that they do, mm-hmm. only because I have seen them throughout the Star Wars universe in other places.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah, I don't know. We've just seen them in a lot of different other places, just usually not in that situation.
1: Yeah, um, we definitely see some uh in one of the episodes of Book of Boba Fett who are just like having drinks. Mm-hmm. And we see some on Tatooine. Yeah. And then we know that in Dr. Afra comics, there is uh what's his name?
0: Uh Winloss and Nock are a married bounty hunting couple yeah. question
1: mark. Hunters. And uh, uh Nock is a female Trandoshan and she has a human husband. Mm, which is super cool. Yeah, we talked about. It. We talked about that in a Spice Run episode.
0: On our Patreon. (laughs) Bonus exclusive content. I I think we've seen Trandoshans the most as bounty hunters, which makes sense if this is their thing.
1: Or as the big fat scrappers, because we see the one in the uh, R2 Lost Oh,
0: yeah. And
1: we see the one in the um, Lightsaber Lost arc, who is only a corpse at that point. Mm. he's also a fat one.
0: So they're generally doing kind of disreputable things, which makes sense because I feel like capturing randos and setting them loose on your Island to hunt down for sport. That has got to be illegal, right? Right.
2: If you get caught.
0: If you get caught.
2: It's not illegal on the Trandoshan planet. Exactly.
0: Oh, (laughs) that's dark y'all.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. I I mean, this is why Oceans have that bad reputation. Now, what I find interesting is that um, in all the legends, extended universe works, it was like, hey, we saw Bosque once in episode five. So we're going to write up his whole species. We're going to make them mortal enemies of the Wookiees. We're going to have them be slavers. We're going to have them do all this bad stuff. And this actually canonizes all of that, which is very cool.
0: Okay, Sam. I think it might be that time. Oh, it
1: is? I think ready? it's that time. Nick, are you ready? Yeah.
0: Are you ready for Baywatch? It's time for Baywatch. It's time for Baywatch. Watch, Baywatch. Baywatch.
2: All I have to say is Chewbacca. Ah! Chewbacca.
0: Nick. <laughs> great
2: opinions (laughs) all right show us your notes my notes are on a piece of paper but i was just thinking we don't really see to i was gonna say chewbacca again yeah Uh, you totally can (laughs) chewbacca in the second episode but that is where he shines Mm. like through the whole episode he's just i am a boss and I am going to help you guys get off this planet. And we're going to do whatever it takes to get off this planet.
1: He also practices humility because these little kids and granted, he's probably like, I don't like a a four foot tall Twi'lek compared to a six foot tall Twi'lek is pretty small compared to him. But he's like these little kids are impugning upon my work. I've been up all night making this interstellar transmitter out of garbage I can pull out of a burning wreckage on the beach, and they're like, "No, we need to go attack. We need you because you're muscular." He's like, "I am more than <laughs> muscles. I'm a man of science and technology." And, but he he
0: he he he's like, prime. "I am the tallest. I am the strongest. I have the most muscles. I am best at mechanics." But
1: then he's also like, you know. Ahsoka's right. If these kids go off without me, they are going to die. So I will help them, but I'm going to leave my transmitter on because maybe help will arrive. And it does. And these Wookiees are like, hey, it's Chewbacca. We will commission a ship to come after him.
0: I just want to say Chewie is now canonically not only the mom friend because he protects all of the babies. He is also the dad friend because he (laughs) fixes everything. (laughs) So Chewie can do it all.
2: And he's also the best friend because all the Wookiees, they come to save basically him.
1: Yeah. I imagine, like, what do you think he sent on the message? He's like, yo, Trandoshan's got me. Come wreck him up. (laughs) <laughs> or do you think he's like, I have rescued these children on a beach? They're going to go attack Trendosians. Uh, they might need an exit strategy. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Please come for
0: the babies. Oh my God. Chewie is so pure, so fantastic. Yeah, he was a good guy. Oh, I love him so much. How about you? I feel like the writing is now on the wall. My bae is also Chewbacca, (laughs) which sounds weirdly like a mean name that some meanie in high school would call Chewy. But, yeah, it's Chewy. It's Chewy hands down. It was never going to be anybody else. So we got two
1: votes for Chewy.
2: Chewy in high school was Chewbacca all the way.
1: (laughs) Sitting in the back, making weird projects. Um, I'm going to break with the trend. And I... Really loved Ahsoka.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I think she yep. uh Particularly for her, the way that she convinced the younglings to rise to the occasion, convinced Chewbacca to help her out. And she had that humility. And the way that she accepted, deflected, and moved on with Anakin's apology. It's like a real, like, that was... That is the kind of energy I want to bring into my relationship with everyone. Mm. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm so distraught for injuring you. I'm like, it's fine.
2: We've really got to see her grow in these two episodes mm-hmm. as a little bit of struggle and be like, I see this is how it is in the real world. This is how I need to handle things from now on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think really season three overall was Ahsoka's time to shine. And this arc especially was Ahsoka's time to shine.
2: Yeah. I will say I also have a second bay. Ooh. Plo Koon. He is phenomenal. I mean, mm. I really wish we had a spinoff series or something <laughs> more about him. But he is just so comforting and wise and just able to really help Anakin through this ordeal.
0: Yeah, he's that perfect blend between wise, but also militaristic and effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, me, and Dave Filoni can start our Plo Koon (laughs) fan club.
1: (laughs) That's a really interesting take because of the Citadel arc, which is the direct previous arc. Plo Koon is managing that entire operation and then he's managing this entire operation, which says to me that Plo Koon is basically like the special forces guy. Mm. And they're like, hey, we need to do like a small scale thing with not a lot of clones, not a lot of Jedi. You get you get more Jedi than normal, but fewer clones and tanks than normal. And he executed his plan perfectly. If there hadn't been a trend ocean in the woods, it would have been like boom, boom, Tuesday kicks off. Like,
0: oh, <laughs> yeah. It was the smoothest the operation we've seen in forever.
1: Because, like, the clone, or the droids at the beginning are like, Commander, we see artillery coming over the ridge, and close. like, hey, they saw us. Guns out. And then he jumps over, and, yeah. Flo Koon is great in this as a supporting character. Flo Koon is always is. Whenever he shows up in an episode, he's always good.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Good choices all around.
1: So, tell us a little bit about Funny Science Fiction Podcast, Nick. Get your plugs in.
2: Well, we uh, release an episode every Friday. And recently, we released the episode with Sam Whitworth. Whoa! As episode 66. And he does,
1: <laughs>
2: he, he says for us, execute episode 66 in the oh. Emperor's voice. Oh. And we're like, so happy. He doesn't do the Emperor, does he? He didn't originate the Emperor, but he does fill in as the Emperor occasionally on certain certain projects. He is mostly Darth Maul, Mm -hmm. but we talk to him about all sorts of fun and interesting things outside of Star Wars as well. But uh, yeah, so funny science fiction, we try to interview people throughout the sci-fi universe and fandoms. We do have some exciting... Other people coming up that we have interviewed.
0: Can you tell us more?
2: Let's see. We interviewed the voice actor for Ezra Bridger.
1: Oh, fine.
2: Yeah, I don't know who that is.
1: Not yet. Oh, that's
2: cool. Okay, <laughs> if that's a good. That's a good pick. That's um. Cool. We have some upcoming interviews. I don't know if I can say those ones yet, or should say those ones yet, but they are characters in the book of Boba Fett.
1: Why get the Vespa gang?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> or as I call them the most Vespa gang. Ha.
2: And the one character said that she can't do interviews at the moment cuz Disney's keeping her on the down low.
0: Oh, Ooh. that's incredibly exciting.
2: It is. And I'm like, okay. Well,
0: Funny science fiction is just the best because y'all are always out there finding Star Wars makers and creators, and you land some phenomenal guest appearances.
2: Yeah, just waiting on the Luke Hamill one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So that about wraps us up. Be sure to support us on Patreon if you want to get the aforementioned Spice Run. We'd love to have your support. And we get new episodes of that every Thursday. And you can follow us on social at Growing Up Skywalker on all the platforms. And you can find our podcast on all the platforms.
0: Just like you can for a funny science fiction podcasts. Yeah,
1: yeah. They also do what do you do? You
2: do your live shows on Friday? Uh, we do a live show on Monday.
1: Monday, yeah. So
2: if you that way, that show we just kind of go a little off the rails, off the mm-hmm. notes, and just kind of talk about recent stuff within the sci-fi universe, or we like to fantasize about different things, like <laughs> where would you vacation in the Star Wars universe?
0: <laughs> oh my God, Naboo, obviously, or Felucia.
2: Yeah,
1: N- Naboo or Alderaan for me.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so funny science fiction is the best. Please go drop them a like and a follow and a subscribe. And join us on Growing Up Skywalker next week as we venture into season four of the Clone Wars. Yeah. What do we got going on, Sam?
1: Uh, we have the Mon Cala arc. We are going into Mon Mario, which is Admiral Akbar's planet. Ooh. Uh, Lots of underwater combat, lots of back and forth, lots of politics, occasional (laughs) sharks. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: So that's season four, episodes one, two, and three. It's a trap. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Everything's a trap.
1: And uh, send us to the... The scrappy little one who's learned some lessons in your life.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Or send us to the mom, bad friend, the the one who can do it all. There you go. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye Bye. Bye.